Hello and welcome to another episode of Stable Automotive's Cars of the Decade. I'm Sean Smith. I'm joined by my full contingent of co-hosts this time. From Jersey Shore, Monty. Oh, uh, hello. From where? It's Sam. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, hello. Uh, the Norse finest, Christopher Strickland. Morning. And um, Al. Morning. How's everyone? Sorry. Never better. Never better. One season. Yeah. yeah. Not be ever more happier. Yeah, it's very it's true. Exciting weekend. Good. It yeah. is next time weekend. I'm working weekend, so you know it's it's all good. Um, yeah, well that's your problem, isn't it? That's yeah, a you problem. It is a bit. Right. You bloody key workers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um chaps, we're going to roll back the times. Nineteen fifties style. We're gonna talk about some road cars. What's our best oh, ones? Yeah. Who All would like to start this episode of Cars of the Decade? I think you should, Sean. We should go in size order. Oh, and yeah. Therefore, you should, Sean. <laughs> we, we can do that. Okay. I'm going to get my egg timer. Set it to whatever time I decide is going to be correct. That'll do. Give yourself an extra few minutes. Well, you know, it's a big car. It needs a big timer. Right. I've gone for the second generation, also known as the Nouveau Fiat... 500. Of course. Need, need I say more? No, no that, that's more than enough uh, airtime for a Fiat. Thank Ex you. Excellent. Sat? No, I'm joking. Right. 19... Is that the one where you could take the rear seats out and use it as a deck chair? Am I thinking of the Beetle? No, I'm thinking of the Beetle. Think I'm sure the you I think you're thinking of the 2CV. No, I think actually oh, you're you're thinking of worse cars. Sure what are you could... doing there, Chris? I, I know. Right? So the Fiat 500. I'm sure you could do the... something funky with a Fiat 500. I, now, did everyone know that is the second generation Fiat 500? It was the first one no, during actually. the war. The first one was from like the 1920s or 30s. Oh, yeah, it was the, the Topolino or something. Yeah, like that. exactly yeah. that. Uh, which looks... looked more like um, Postman Pat's car. Well, it, look, it looks like right. um, Chris's car, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> so the second generation Fiat Cinquecento or 500. Um, began life in 1957 as basically Italy's answer to the people's car that had been attempted before in the shape of such cars like the Beetle um, and the Austin 7, I guess, going right going right to the start. Uh, it was a little tiny Italian car built for the, hopefully, by this point, starting to recover Italian economy and markets after something called the war happened. Um, what an inconvenience. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so this was literally... Fiat basically becoming what the, the juggernaut that they are now, basically, and uh, taking over Italy by owning mm -hmm. everyone uh, with their, their 500s. So, the original 500, as you might mm -hmm. have guessed, is so called because it had not quite a 500cc engine. But then, you know. Oh, it's, it's, not, it's not 500 horsepower. No, it's, it's really no. called the Fiat 479 initially. Hmm. Um, it's not quite as catchy though. Yeah, but you know the Italians like to pick things up, so it's it's per yeah. it's perfectly fine. Uh, it had a whop it right, guys. I hope you sat down for these numbers right. Fifteen brake horsepower. My God, wow. I, I don't. How many cylinders did it have? Two. That's like two horsepower per cylinder, surely? No, it's seven horsepower per cylinder. It what? Like, it's only a two-cylinder inline two. Yeah. My God. I don't know wow. how you, I don't know how you can have an inline two because surely it could 
it's just a pair. Yeah. Well, it's always going to be in line. <laughs> exactly. <isn't it>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's. But if it's two cylinders and that small, I hope it was at least a two-stroke engine then. I mean, some month. I suppose it must be to give that much power at the time. I'll say that much power. It's again, it's only fifteen horsepower. Uh, I think I think Al's got more power than RC cars. Um, yes. But uh, somehow it still had needed a four-speed gearbox. Why? Why did you need a four-speed gearbox <laughs> for that kind of? Um, for, yeah, for you've that? got to make the most of the power you've got. Yeah, All acceleration, no power, no torque. Well, yeah, no, they didn't get rid of the torque curve that uh, obviously existed with a seven horsepower per cylinder uh, engine. Um, however, oh, and also, also five hundred. 499 kilos, so actually that's much more correct um, than the engine. It's a fun there fact. we go, that, maybe, that's what it was. Yeah, it wasn't though, but I hope. <laughs> um, would you anyone like to guess how many of the most iconic car ever produced in Italy were made? From its production, line, from its production line in 1957 all the way until 1975, almost when Monty was born. Too many. Whoa. 15 million? I'm gonna say twelve and a half million. Al, uh, eight million. Monty, well, I know Italy likes to talk for the world, but they're not actually that big. Uh, between one and a half to two million. Monty's the closest. Three point really? eight nine million. That's, that's, <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's, I was shocked. I, I think, was a, um, I, yeah, I would have thought it'd be way more. Than I that. saw on the news today that the Ford Mondeo has only produced like four million or five million cars on the end of its production run. And I thought, oh, that's pitiful. I'm going to get like, m like you know, multiple times that with the five hundred. No, three point eight nine million. I'm like, what? <laughs> it just shows you how good Italians are at marketing. I know they, they, they make themselves sound like they are the most important thing in the world. Well, they are. And now we see why Ferrari has this prestige about them. Yeah, and why they decide to own uh, Ferrari as well? It also had a top speed of fifty-three miles per hour, which I think. Is wow! So you yeah. literally can't get a oh, speed like everywhere. Yeah. Such speed! Oh yeah, um, in middle of town, so you can do that. Wow! <laughs> right. Am I right in seeing there was in the Bath version of this? There was. So we're going to get onto this. So initially, as the numbers might actually suggest, now we know them, um, it wasn't that successful to start with. The five hundred. It was uh, mm. so. What they did was they brought out two new versions of it, one with a bit more oomph, one with a bit more plushness, which is a bit ridiculous for a people's car. Um, and eventually, it produced guys by 1958. So only a year later, we're talking a 499 cc engine oh. with a uh, 21 and a half Italian ponies. Wow! They bought it out 20 cc's and found almost 60% uh, extra power. I know. That's amazing. This was called the. That's the sport model, mate. You talk. Oh. Yeah, but, you know, could you imagine like a Ferrari with sixty percent more brake horsepower? I'd be mad. It'd also be, be pointless. <laughs> it, it would be, yeah. Um, but these sport models, they actually, they actually did some, uh, this this shocks me. This this of all the facts of the five hundred, this is what shocked me the most. In I think nineteen fifty-seven or eight, they came one, two, three, four at the Hockenheim twelve hours. Uh, and not at the current Hockenheim, remember. This is at the speed fucking thing, Hockenheim, which is another. Like, That's quite impressive. Just, isn't I, it? I can only imagine that everyone else crashed or blew up. I'm going to double check that because I remember their endurance events used to be done on their short circuit, which Ooh. was literally like a, which was a little cut path right behind where the stadium would end. So I'm just that would check make them. a lot what, more what sense. Was that Hockenheim 68. Uh, 58. 
Hockenheim, 12 hours, 1958. That would make a lot more maybe. sense. Let's have a look. Would, they, would no that have been like the Arbath ones as well, maybe? It would have been just racing tuning ones. Whether Arbath were a part of it, I don't know. Because I know that Arbath made some versions of this. I don't know when they made them, but they made the versions of this 500. Well, I'm thinking, you know, a small donkey would probably go faster than a 500 around old Hockenheim. <laughs> anyway, yeah, my car of the decade, basically because it's Italian and it's the best, and it's and it's it is literally, well, I mean, it's the Abarth versions, which are from the 60s, which are which I like the most. But uh, hey, oh, hey. okay. <laughs> but everyone everyone loves a 500. It's the final. It is a Go on information here okay right so it, it's a specific it was an endurance event held for small cars only so uh, their uh, competitors were stuff like uh, the gogmobile ts300 bmw 600 um and apparently all the bmws were disqualified because they consumed too much fuel so the fiat ended up <laughs> inheriting first second third or fourth Love where that. we heard this before italian teams um getting an advantage and winning after the race is done this doesn't sound like the 1983 WRC Championship at all, does it? <laughs> oh, <clears throat> Lance, yeah. Probably <laughs> half of the 2000s F1 Championship. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, yes, also that My as last, well. Last Never, still not, not, not too shit on their achievements. Well done, Fiat, for going around Hockenheim so damn quick. Yeah. With now, good fuel economy. My, uh, my last little, bit, little facts before the end of my time. Coefficient of drag, 0.38. I'm not surprised. It was so slow that they couldn't do an accurate reading on it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, the wind tunnels are probably going faster than the car ever, ever did. I was going to say, drag is uh, square. It gets squared with speed, so uh, it hasn't even hit a point where drag exists if it's only doing 53 miles an hour. Mm. That's good. And last, my last point, £260 it cost in 1957. Oh, within, wow. Within, That's a bargain. With inflation, that puts it around three, sorry, 5.38 grand. You know, just under Daisy Sandero money. But uh, a nice one of a, a Gen 2 500 will cost you between eleven and £50,000 today. And that's why Amazing. it's my car of the decade for the 1950s. Because nothing says says brilliance like an appreciating Italian. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> an appreciating Italian. Ah, oh, ciao. Ciao, bella. Um, ciao, bella. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, that's actually a solid start to the show. Can I just throw in one more fun fact I found? I've just been reading through the Fiat 500 here, Sean. Of course you can. The thing that seems to be fascinating me the most about this car, sorry, guys, is its doors. Suicide doors. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Two yeah. things on here. Yeah, it's got suicide doors and... Apparently, they built an eight-door estate. Yeah, I saw that. Car. What, where? What? How where? can you have an eight-door <laughs> estate? I, I need to find an image of this. Please, please. There's got to be an image of this somewhere. I'll find Clear it. Were they, were they including things like the bonnet and the boot? And the, the fuel cap. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they can't They can't include the roof, because apparently they're, they're all fabric roofs, so that's convertible, isn't it? Yeah, but you can get in and out of it. Yeah. Perhaps they had escape hatches on the floor or something. Yeah. The oil filler cap counts as a door. <laughs> well, the fuse box, that's a door. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Because yeah. you change those often as you open the door. Fix yeah. it again tomorrow. Exactly, yeah. Um, yes, what's the next? Agree. What's the next biggest car? Is it Sam or Chris? I, I think it might be me, but I'm happy to let Cree go if he wants. All right. Cree. Uh, I'll go next, I don't mind. Hang on, we can check this. Wheelbase for Chris. It really doesn't matter. It really does matter. Just, just 
2,150 millimeters. And what's what's Sam's? Yeah, this is excellent podcasting, people. <laughs> you can tell we were well prepared for this one. Two thousand and thirty-six. So Sam's so next. Sam. Okay. Right. Two thousand thirty-six. Okay. Then it's uh... reset the clock. Sam. Right. Go, right. So my choice is clearly the best. Nope. Because it's the mini. <laughs> The 1959 what? BMC Mini. One of the worst um, cars ever made. Yeah, well, hang, no? on, hang on, which one, which Mini became popular? Because there's been about four different types of Minis. Well, it, God knows they're... how many different types of companies. Yeah, but they were all basically the Mini. They're yeah, all they the are the same right. car. They're yeah, all no, 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 I appreciate they're the same car, but it, every one of them, if you put the BMC next to the Leyland, next to the BMW, right, Rover, okay. I get what you mean. For for the moment, completely ignore the BMW one because that's definitely not nineteen fifties. But I mean, it's, got, it's called Mini Sam. It's the same car. Yeah, same All right, car. but just for context, Cree. In fairness, that's um, called the new Mini, it's also or at least yeah, it yeah. was upon its no, release. It's also terrible. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. What well, like the new Beetle? No, 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 no. it drives like a go kart. Did you not hear? The new <laughs> yeah. Mini. It does. Well, that's does the it. reason I bought one. Is like, obviously. Very um, Sam, sorry, I'm really <laughs> funny. Oh, funny the, can we start the clock now? No. Uh, <laughs> 26th of August, 1959. Oh, so it's not first... really as far as the 50s, is it, Sam? This is like, oh, it so, is. This is like, uh, like Chris's Gen 2 FE car, which only had like two well, races under its belt by the time. All right, uh, okay. Decade. But sorry. equally, 1959, what? That is still the 50s. Sure. Um, My Celica is definitely a car of the 90s. Let's go. Exactly. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so the first Mini was launched. It was launched um, not only as the BMC Mini, and this is where it gets confusing, Cree. It was also launched as the Austin 7 and the Morris Mini Minor. So they were basically all the same car, just with a different badge on the front. Wow. Um, we had badge so... engineering by the 50s. That's, that's, that's quite yeah. It gets even more confusing in the 60s. Sorry to hijack you, Sam. Because you had cars like the Wolsey Hornet, which were basically minis with ugly fronts on them. <laughs> exactly, and yeah. What's the other one I'm thinking of that's got the boot as well? Oh, um... BMWs? No. No, there's an ugly version of the mini with a boot and yeah, a weird grill. To... Herald yeah. Imps. Oh. No, no, because no, Imps are completely different. I cannot remember what it's called, but, yeah, but I know exactly what you mean. There um... were about five or six versions of the mini kicking around in the late 50s and the 60s. Yeah, and they're all essentially just the same car as this one. I like how um, Sam's got about four words in after two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Carol. Uh, but uh, it, it was just the old, the best car that you could get for the money at the time. Um, it was the car that meant that more people could start driving um, because it was so cheap. I mean, yours um was what 300 and something pounds 260 pounds okay the mini um was between 497 pounds and 537 oh, so, it's, pounds. so it's a rip off then so it's a bit more expensive but it is bigger as we've clarified so Worse. um it's also faster it's more reliable um, <laughs> and well well I wouldn't necessarily yeah. get that far but it's well better. i mean no you you can fix an a series with a solid thwack with a hammer and it'll normally start again <laughs> exactly <laughs> It's true. It's very true. Um, yeah, you can fix I a mean... fear just by revving it. <laughs> yeah, but it's got to start for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but 
British Oh, uh, welcome um, back, Alistair. I've missed you. <laughs> the, the, mag- the magazine The Motor tested it in 1959 um, and managed to get one up to a top speed. Are you ready for this? No. Of sure. 72 miles an wow. hour. Wow. That can be that you can That you can get an accurate uh, drag coefficient assessment from. Absolutely. And <laughs> it managed to do 0 to 60. You're ready for this? In four days. In 27 seconds. Wow. I know. Hang, was hang that on, back one up, of the 850 oh, models, or was that a 997? It would have been an 850. The okay. Nine, I think the 997 came out in the sixth, technically. So. Okay, I couldn't remember that with the engines. So we have an 850cc um, at the time. Yes. That's, that's um, two cc's. 43, 43 and a half mpg. Whoa. That is impressive. Yeah, but it's not that's actually bad. pretty good. It's not carrying any weight, though. So of course it's going to get it. doesn't matter. Well, and the, the one they tested... that, that's brilliant. And fuel back then was like five pence per gallon, so it yeah. cost you so about a to run the thing for the year. Yeah. I've got a car from the early two thousands, and it doesn't do that on fuel. My Celica exactly. doesn't do that. My car's brand new, and it doesn't do that. Cree? Uh, no, mine definitely doesn't. Do that. Mine, <laughs> mine's a two and a half liter engine that does it does like a mile a week to uh, to Aldi and back. It is never going to do forty odd miles to the gallon. Doesn't that try to warm up? It doesn't do forty miles. <laughs> I mean, in Chris' defence, my version will do thirty-two. So I don't know how badly Chris is driving it. Probably. No, 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 no. He, he enjoys in every mile. Mine, exactly. Yeah. No, I think yeah. in fairness to my my car, it will do about the same as Al, about thirty-two. Um, they launched it simultaneously in '59 um, all over the world. So the UK production figures was 10,000 just for the 1959. Considering it was launched in August, that's quite a lot. Um, in total, globally, they made 20,000. Uh, so the rest of the world was just not making many. Longbridge plant making tons of them. Um, They're still losing money. But still, uh, where's my other bit that I had? I on? I'm sorry, uh, Sean. How many times have Fiat been bailed out by the Italian government? I was going to say, yeah, once or twice. <laughs> how, how many times have Fiat bailed out the Italian government, though? Yeah, probably once or yeah, twice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> scratch my back, I scratch your back. Um, yeah, full speed on, it's, not, it's not Maserati. Come on, we're not we're not in that, in that realm. Is my car going to be the only car company that actually doesn't bail out anybody and has never been bailed out? Uh, maybe. 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 I, I don't know. Carry on, sorry, go on. Yeah, but they have had their CEO arrested. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit far down the line and it's a different named company, but yes, you are correct, they did have their CEO arrested. Do you so, want to know yeah, all of the names? Do- yep, let's hear them then, Sam. Yeah, all of the names that the, the Mark 1, just the Mark 1 Mini was called John. It was the Austin 850, the Austin Mini, the Austin Partner, the Austin 7, the this is the one that was made in Italy as well, the Innocenti Mini. Mm. I didn't know they made that, but apparently they, they did. Uh the Morris 850, the Morris Mini, the Riley Elf and the Wolseley Hornet. Mm. Riley Elf, that's the other ugly one I was thinking I of. I think you I think that is it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, they were made in, in England and in Australia as well. That's where the other 10,000 come from. Um, you wouldn't want to be stuck just... in the outback in Australia in the Mini. In a Mini? No, you probably dead wouldn't, would you? <laughs> um, but I mean, I, the reason I like the Mini, really, aside from all of these stats and statistics, is just the, the fact of what, 
it, it partly the Italian job. I'm not going to lie. It was just a cool little car. Um, and to be honest, it, it was just, a car allowed... that had staying power because they produced it in Absolutely. one form or another for 40 flipping years. Yeah, but only because yeah, they kept I mean, being it's... bankrupt. It was, I think it was, I had it earlier, I, f I can't find the figure now, I think it was about 38 million in total they made across the lifetime before mm -hmm. BMW took over. So, so that's a lot of cars. Ten times. And it didn't really did. change. Exactly. Um, it didn't change at all, really, let's face it. They upgraded the engine and redesigned it a little bit, but generally speaking, it was the same car. Yeah, they did redesign the suspension around Mark II, Mark III, I think, but yeah, they fundamentally put the... the the design and especially the engine was the same. They released the A plus engine, but it was still an A series. I mean, also has a really interesting yeah, gearbox. Exactly. The mini. Why? Yes, it does. Because its it gearbox is actually. Well, it's also the gearbox isn't beside the engine. It's built into the sump. Mm. So the gearbox shares the same oil as the engine, and it actually sits in the sump of the engine. That sounds that makes, like a good idea. Makes sense. Now for the benefits it allowed for uh, more cabin room. Eighty percent of the car was cabin. It was. Yeah, and to be fair, it works perfectly fine unless you hit the sump really hard on something. At which point, all of your engine oil pisses out, as well as all of your gearbox oil. <laughs> as yeah, well as yeah, the nice engine going into your lap. <laughs> Lol. Um, with the exception of everything inside the car, though, for, let's say for the benefit of our viewers who may not be as nerdy as us when it comes to the insides of a car you could look at a car like a mini from 1959 and then one which was built in 99 and from the outside they both look pretty much the same don't they That's yeah the I mean. main uh... tells are going to be the brake lights because mm. they changed them to square on later versions and the door hinges if you look at the early cars so mark ones and mark twos i think they have definitely mark ones they have external door hinges Later cars have internal door hinges. Hmm. Yeah, and that's just of its time, really, isn't it? Let's yeah. face it. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's they finally worked out how to make internal door hinges <laughs> yeah, exactly. at Austin. Have you got any closing yeah. statements, Sam? Uh, it's the best car on this podcast. No, it's not. Uh, Chris, you're saying... Of course it is. Of course it is. Mr. Bean drove the bloomin' thing, and in the 60s, they built a giant orange on a mini chassis, and it's still famous to this day in Britain. How yeah, can you not and say the a mini great? job had them. Yeah, and everyone was, had a mini. And it, it won the Monte Carlo Rally. Yep. I, I would say, I reckon... It I used reckon, to annoy muscle cars in touring car races. That, yeah. It still annoys me. Yeah. Um, I would <laughs> yeah. say, maybe not now, but certainly like my dad's generation, probably 80% of people had a mini as their first car. Well, the other thing as well is it's been a backbone of British motorsport since it was built as well. Well, yeah. Because it, it was a, a nice, handling, cheap everything. car. Yeah. yeah. Double wishbone suspension. Plenty of, again, less so nowadays where they're getting older and older, but plenty of circuit racers would have started with minis. Plenty of rallyers would have started with minis. And plenty of oval racers would have started with minis. Like you. Yes. Yeah. A car but it which was... isn't on... Over racing is probably Chris as well. Oh, Christ, I don't even know if my car even did any form of motorsport. That's <laughs> my car, I think. And there's a very, very good reason for it, even if it is designed from the 1930s. Uh, it's the DC3 Datsun. 
No, you have picked a car from the wrong decade again. Chris. No, it's from the fifties. Uh, no, no, it is from the fifties. However, it just looks it's like based on an Austin A40 A50, so technically it's from the thirties. Um, <laughs> so we've once again picked a car from the wrong decade, and then this time it's also named after an aeroplane. Great job. Chris. Yeah, but but wait till you see the production the phase, Monty. No, wait, no, it wasn't. It wasn't before the aeroplane. What am I talking about? Talking oh, I've just seen. <laughs> Apologies, that's not funny. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, if you if you if you, I'd have a Google. It's um, a history lesson. If you have definitely. a Google, if you have a Google, it is a, it is a history lesson uh, in how not to design a car for the fifties. I say I have just seen the production figures, and you Chris, have definitely done it again, Cree. You have, do yeah. remember that you were meant to be bringing us your favourite or the best car of yeah, the fifties, and it you basically just started by slagging it off. That's what I did. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, no, but it is genuinely the best car of the decade for one reason, and that was a bloke called Mr. K, which for which is called his actual name is Yukitaki Katayama, and he is the forefounder for the Fair Lady series, or as in the West we would call them the Z cars. So there is a very good reason why it is the car of the decade because without him you wouldn't have the 240Z, 260Z, 280Z, the Trans Am cars. You wouldn't have the 350Z. You wouldn't have the 370Z. You wouldn't have the 300ZX. You wouldn't have any of them without this particular chap starting on a Austin A30 and turning it into a DC3. So you're welcome. I mean. Couldn't you have just then mentioned the Datsun Fair Lady uh, 1600, which was built in 1959, which would kind of match this criteria? But this is seven no, years before. It, no, exactly. This is seven years. But this is the. But, this but is, it's still 1959. 59 is still the 50s. Yeah, but and, this is the beginning. This is the. This is where he made his mark before he started making the Fair Ladies. Right. It's not you quite. Know, is, it, is it, Chris? Uh, no. So it, it runs. Um, it runs. A 860cc engine. Whoa. In line four. The same the, size the as biggest one we've got so far. Well, no, I was going to say it is. It's yeah, the yeah, largest engine don't hold, don't, don't hold your breath because it produced 25 brake horsepower and a top speed of 43. That's, uh, oh, How's wait, it, how is it slower than the 500? I don't know. It's clearly based off um, something it shouldn't be. It's basically, I think it's based off an Austin A-series. Well, it is. It's based off an Austin A-series engine. I, so I, it's, I, it's a 30-year-old car. With a thirty-year-old engine built in the nineteen fifties. When you say a thirty-year-old car, you mean a thirty-year-old car at the time? Yeah, at the time. So. At the time of launch. <laughs> at the time this of is launch. hilarious. Yeah. To be fair, there was weight saving. The bottom <laughs> panels were made of fiberglass. <laughs> um, uh, I appreciate where you're going, Cree, but no, Monty's right. You should have gone for the Fair Lady sixteen hundred. No, I know it would. I, I know, but this is the start. And Chris it's, likes the start. Yeah, do you know how much it cost? Do you know how much how much one of them cost at the at the time? Uh, are we, uh, are we gonna fifty say pounds and a Twix? Oh yeah. Are we, yeah, we, we going to do it in yen or pounds? Uh, uh, well, yen, no one's gonna know because. I has to be one of the currencies that has the worst inflation. Well, on I'm Earth. just asking what figure Chris's sorry, what currency Chris's figure has? Is it, it pounds or dollars? No, no, it, it's in yen, and I could tr I could probably roughly translate it if it was today's price, which it's not. But today's price, um, sorry, in yen at the time it was eight hundred and thirty-five thousand yen, which in today's price, not, not 
Disregarding inflection. No, disregarding inflation is actually quite a bit. It's about four. It's about five grand, maybe six grand. Oh, so it's about now. about the same so price as hundred then. Yeah, but that's now, not yeah. like in 1950, when it's probably that was probably like the cost of a house. No, that's fine because because be 500 honest. for today's money was 5,300. No, no, no. I'm doing it without change for oh, inflation. Yeah, with inflation, it's probably the same cost as a Ferrari. Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's, so that, that's, that's, that's not that's not cheap. Yeah, in 1952, when it was out, or when you could buy one, it cost 835,000 yen. Is this... Which, is this why not so accounting for inflation, is about six grand. Uh, yeah, probably. There was only like a couple made, to be fair. I think they had like a production of about 20 or 30. Um, they made like 10, and then, then Nissan, or Datsun at the time, decided, uh, we're not going to sell the rest of these, so we're going to turn them back into vans. Then <laughs> they turned them back into pickups. Uh, and then sold the rest of them. So your car of the decade is a truck. <laughs> it is, yeah. An unsolved truck. And look, it's it's the principle of the vehicle, not the actual vehicle itself that matters to me. I don't think you really get this podcast, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> is this yes, your it's no, Chris, no, is this no, your no. highest like production value car you've had so far? No, the Beatles. More or less. No, the Beatles. Right. Yeah, because didn't this first one have a production no, of three? Something like that, yeah. Ah, uh, it was. It was We've had a one-off right. before, I think, haven't we? From Craig? We've had a one-off car. <laughs> we, yeah, well, that was a race car, have. in fairness. <laughs> no, that was a Mitsubishi, which was built twenty years before Mitsubishi existed, or something exactly. like that. Exactly, it was the first like Japanese-produced car. I'll I tell you, I, I'm going to come to Chris's defence here, actually. This seems to be something that uh, Nissan and Datsun seem to do a lot of, is introducing a car 20 years after its era, because this car is actually reminding me of the um, Nissan Figaro, that thing that was built oh, in the gosh. 90s but looked like it was from the 60s. This is exactly the concept this is reminding me of just now. Or the 400ZX. Oh, uh, the 400ZX, yes. By the way. Uh, the, yeah, the 400 No, it doesn't. It does, it looks Sorry. terrible. The Formula ZX looks lovely. In, a, in, in like a, as a race car, I bet it looks epic. That's different. Although at the moment, and no oh, one builds a race car. Nobody's going to build uh, a race car. I don't think this is a forty-two mile an hour race car. Come on, Cree. Even the eight-year-old uh, go karts uh, have a top speed of fifty-five mile an hour. This is not a race car. Uh, no, I don't think they ever did turn the DC3. I, I race doubt car. it. But I still, I still what about stand you? by. They should have gone to Australia. It's just, it's a V8 in the front of it. Why not? But just everything about it's wrong. The, the, it's it's twenty years out of date. It's slow. Mm. It's yeah. gutless. It's got a name yeah. of an aeroplane. It's just that makes it cool. It's actually not even <laughs> that nice to look at. Like it looks... <laughs> <laughs> the Datsun sixteen hundred's very nice. That, to look yes, at. I'll give you that. That is a very nice car. This. Look, it's, just, it it is, look... it's, it's the principle behind it. That's all I'm saying. It's the by, principle. Your principles are wrong. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> admittedly, yeah. I did that with our 2010s one, but at least I picked interesting cars in their own right as well as the principle. It is interesting. Oh, what, your TCR Delta? car? Or the 86? I think I picked both of those, yeah. yeah but which one, are you, which one are you referring to, just in general? Either. Oh, fair enough. No, because the GT86 is the best car I've ever made. What? Um, oh, Chris. God, not again. Yes. This car, I, 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 I back you because 
the Fair Lady slash Zed series. You don't have to. I'm not asking you to back it. No, because even no, I it, it, it's <laughs> the crazy thing I'm about. No, 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 it's it's a problem. For me, there's a reason behind it. It's why there's the current attack. No, but the, it it makes sense because you know when. Would you have the Skylines if you didn't have the first Nissan Skyline sort of stuff? You wouldn't have GTRs and all that shit now. You have to start somewhere. I think you would. You have to start yeah, somewhere. No. And, the, and yeah, this does start there. It starts on a backward foot, but you know. It's not getting any brownie points. Do you know what also started? Uh, the, the small car revolution in Britain, the Mini. And that sold 33 million, not 30. No, 50. Come on, give give them credit. No, no, no. It no, never, no. never sold the 50. It oh, sold, they, it that's like they produced. 50 Oh, they, they sold 50, 30. 50. Yeah, they sold like 20 or 30, and then the that's rest atrocious. of them were, um, No, Chris, <laughs> that's your time. Bands. I'm not going to give you any more. Um, yeah. Fine. Monty, how many cards have you picked this time? Uh, to the nearest 10? Yeah. 12. No, I haven't. Why the hell have you picked I, the, I, the Morris Minor? It's an awful car. Right, okay, so I've ring-fenced this into three different categories because I think it's hard to say that the uh, cars of the decade... Uh, there isn't a car of the decade. It's all subjective to where you live. In Britain, I'm, the I'm, 50s I'm was... I'm Hampshire. Uh, I'm talking about countries, not um, <laughs> counties here, sir. Because, like, in Britain, the 50s was all about making transport accessible for people. So they wanted things to be small. They wanted it to be cheap and efficient. That's the reason why I've mentioned the Morris Minor, because that was the predecessor to the Austin Mini, hence why when the Mini originally came out, it was called the Mini Minor. Um, the concept was exactly the same, just with the Mini, they made it even smaller, even cheaper, and even more compact, but more practical. When the oh, Morris Minor first... Exactly. When, when the Morris Minor first came out, it was, at the time unheard of because it had only a thousand cc engine what that's very small it was under a thousand kilos in weight oh that's very light um and it kind of kick-started that concept um both of those are I big mean, numbers got... compared to the cars we've had so far they are big numbers compared to the cars so far but that that's what i mean this so we're going to exclude the first iteration of the uh, Morris Minor because that was a bit shit but when the mark ii came out in 1952 i think it was um that kind of put everything correct and made it a very usable and very popular car for the decade. Um, they produced one and a half million cars in seven years, which in that time period is quite impressive. Um, it was small, it was cheap, it was light, it was efficient. And was Britain was still under rations back then? Until 54, I think. So this is still a car... At the time where we're basically in, uh, correct? It's... Yeah, yeah. So, so Britain was under rations. It, it needed transport to get the public going again to help rebuild the country. Hmm. But they were aware that people couldn't afford luxury things, so they wanted cheap, workable cars for people to do. The Morris Minor was basically the first iteration of the Mini that kickstarted, as Sam says, the uh, small car craze that everyone wanted. Um, the Morris helped to get Britain back on its feet again really and it got people around the country interacting improving the economy it was cheap it was versatile and it was very very popular and even after the mini uh, was launched in 1959 the morris minor still was produced until 1970 so it still had a good afterlife well, even morris after its money well yeah there was probably <laughs> that as well but um it, it, it was a popular car that helped to get britain back on its feet again so that's why i've given that one a mention because for British people the Morris Minor was the car 
of the whole of the 50s because you would just see that everywhere. I do think it was it's worth noting as well the different kinds of body that you could have on the miner, which is one of the reasons it was so widely used. Of the fact yes. that you could have it as a saloon, you could not as a hatch so per se, but it was a family car, it was a van, it was, was an estate the car. The van, exactly, there yeah. was a van with a, the wooden back end switch. Yeah, yeah, the estate, estate van. One of the few cars that can actually fail an MOT on wood rot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but um, it's... I can't believe I'm about to say didn't this. It's actually of... one of... Sorry, didn't they Go make on. that out of ash as well, which does just rot as soon as it gets wet? Yeah, pretty yes. much. Yeah. Did they ask last year um... build advice? I think they must have done. <laughs> See, this is the problem with automotive engineers. They don't understand about... Um... Wood. The weather, the weather, <laughs> the wood. If if they had got mariner engineers in there, then okay, you'd have something which looks ready for hunting Moby Dick, but it would never ever rot. So you know, compromises again there. Well, but yeah, no. So <laughs> well, yeah, probably there is there as well. Um, but yeah, so that, that's why for me, the Morris Minor would be the car of the fifties if you were living in Britain. Oh, if you were yeah. living in America then I think the car of the 50s would actually be anything that is a muscle car. Because in the 40s, after the war, everyone I mentioned this in the last time, the Pontiac Streamliner, Chevy Convertible, um, these were cars which you could buy relatively cheap. Uh, they made a nice noise, they looked the part, and people loved what they would do. In the 50s, they actually started putting engines in them to make them go as quick as what they looked. Take, for example, the Chevrolet Bel Air. They did a V8 variant of that. Uh, the Packard Hawk, which uh, were renowned for their twin six, which to you and I is a V12, but America. Uh, they uh, did a V8 version, which produced just about, I think it was 300 horsepower at the time. So you had this nice-looking convertible, so picture like what you would see in Greece. It looks the parts. You've in you've um, got all the girls sitting on the back seat because seat belts aren't exist uh, around then, and it now actually has a V8 in it as well. So you can do not to sixteen under ten seconds. I love how that's off. twenty times more powerful than my hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's also that. But I mean, yeah, you could own a car for um, I think. Uh, take the Packard Hawk for example. It was about. $3,000, I think, to buy one brand new at the time. Has someone got an inflation calculator to see what that, that would be in today's money? $3,000? Yeah, yeah. $3,000 in... That's massive. In, Considering the Mini was £500. Pounds. Yeah, but the Mini was a super, super small car. We're yeah, talking about something true. with a big V8 in here, so that you, you can't compare it to a Mini. Yeah, considering one of their cylinders probably has the same cubic capacity as the Mini. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't mean the Mini's engine, I mean the Mini as a the, car. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so $3,000 in 1958, what would that be in today's money? Uh... It's also just a lot more metal, isn't it? So it's just going to cost more to build, let's face it. Yeah. It would be. But it's, it's a cool era of, like, the. this is the era of, like, the, the fins on the rear. Exactly. The, the white tie will... I've got a number. $27,302.49. Okay, That's so for 20... Not bad for a V8 so, V12, thank even. Thank you. So we're talking about something which today you would only see in a Mustang, in a Camaro, in a Corvette. And if someone told you you could get that brand new for $27,000 today, bearing in mind that most of the Hyundai 
hatchbacks that they sell in America for that price now. I would say that's a steal. That's a really good price. And this is what I mean. You, you, it was a workers man uh, kind of car. You didn't need to be a rich executive. You could go and do your eight hours in the factory, save up a bit of cash. Boom, you got yourself a muscle car to go and impress all the ladies and then go and kill yourself swiftly afterwards because you can't handle the speed. Because um, you don't have seat belt. And it's a terrible exactly, car. No, um, and it's a terrible car. No, and there's no, axle. There, there's no crumple zones in them as well. I, I mean, the Packard Hawk really annoys me because on paper it looks amazing. A 4.7 V8, you buy it for 27 grand. Then you realise it's uh, coupled with a three-speed automatic, and you just think, <laughs> that's, well, "That's the noise so that, as well." <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but for for me, that's why in the fifties in America, these kind of cars were their cars of the decade because that's all you would ever see in any movies or if people ever talk about cars. They always talk about these type of cars. I personally wouldn't vote this as my car of the decade because of the bloody automatic box good so that's why my actual car of the decade i've gone european this time guys because good. i think it's fair to say based on what we've seen uh and what is also about to be mentioned with other people european cars just are, are memorable because it, it was that nice balance about it looks the part it handles well it was affordable it wasn't affordable to everyone fair enough but compared to how much you would have to pay today for a hypercar or anything like that, this is definitely much more feasible. So for me, my car of the decade is actually the Mercedes S um, Mercedes 300 SL Go-Wing. Hmm. Um, to me, it was a car which, all right, you wouldn't have it as your day-to-day -day car, but it was a nice car. It was a powerful car. It was a light car. It had a three-liter straight-six engine in it, manual box, thank God. And the whole thing only weighed 1,500 kilos. So there was a nice balance going on there. It was a car which um, it looked the part. Everyone dreamed of owning one of these things. And it was so versatile in its performance that they actually did enter it into competitions. Well, so Sterling Moss won it in a million million. This is the second time in this decade yeah. the Mercedes 300 class car has been mentioned because, of course. Uh, it was for the race car. Chris, Some of the Chris, it, wasn't Chris it? mentioned it for the race cars. Exactly, yeah. So um, for me, it was a great race car and it was a great sports car as well. It was in that era where you could take your everyday car, stick it on a track go and win this huge event, and then on Monday, off you go to M&S again to go and pick up your shopping again. Um, the, the, the closest you would get to anything like that nowadays is a track day. You wouldn't see big events like this where a race car can be a road car as well. Those days are all gone now, but for me, the Mercedes was something which people could do. So that, for me, guys, is why the Mercedes 300 SL going is my road car of the 50s. Good timing. Has, I've got, has it gone uh, ding ding yet? Yeah, it just went ding ding right now. Yay! I've got, See, I've got the price here for the for the fifty four when they which I think was the launch, isn't it? Yes. Um, it's twenty nine thousand Deutschmarks. What's that in English? Mm -hmm. Which is I don't know what it is in English, but I've got eight uh, six thousand eight hundred and twenty dollars US dollars mm -hmm. at the time. In uh, nineteen fifty four, did you say? Yeah, in 54. So that's like 54. Uh, I've also got an op a list of optional extras here. Oh, 
that's nice. Which can lead us on to a nice little guessing game. Would anyone like to guess how much it would cost you in US dollars to have any colour other than metallic silver? <laughs> Which is genuinely what it says why, on the list. Why would you pick a different colour? I mean, I have actually seen a black one before, so some people did pick this option, so I'm going to guess, what, $4,000? $2,000. You're all massively overpricing this. Oh, oh, are you on about $4,000 in today's money, or $4,000 I know, I, this back is, then? Well, this Good is, point, this yeah. Is Maybe $500 so back then. Yeah. No, yeah, $65. Oh, oh they, that's, like, that's reasonable. <laughs> Yeah. Windscreen washers. Windscreen mm. washers. Eighteen dollars. Windscreen washers was an optional fee. Oh my god, we have. Yeah, so that was an optional we? extra. That was eighteen dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, leather upholstery Ooh. in the coupe. Mm. Thirty-five. One hundred and sixty-five dollars. Oh. Or a radio. Wow. That's been quite. Actually... You like a radio in your three hundred SL? Was it? Was it a Bose system? No. no, it was a Becker system. No, was, no, you wouldn't want a radio on that. That just ruins the ambience of the engine. Well, if you did want a radio, it was $264. That's that's fascinating. Um, I, I can believe radios being an option back in the 50s, but that one about the yeah, windscreen washers, is a, <laughs> that's made me laugh. That would have been AM um, only. Bumper guards. Right. Ah. What did you say? $6,800 it cost uh, when it was launched? Yeah, $6,820. Dollar inflation US calculator. Dollar. Say it again. 6820 I reckon US about $8,820. That's $66,000 in today's money. For a, kind well, of, what was so yeah, a hypercar back then? So we're talking about something which the equivalent of today would be what? Like your Lamborghinis and stuff like that. What's a Mustang? Yeah, that's so that's about the price you could. Nah, you could buy a Mustang for that. Oh, Easy. in today's money, yeah, that, that's a yeah, Mustang. Money. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that, that today you would buy a Mustang for that kind of money, whereas this was what was at the time seen as what Lamborghinis and hypercars are so today. The cars in the world. It was. So there you are, guys. But There's not another reason why it's the most car. beautiful, in my opinion. Oh. Oh, Ow! God. Bring it back to Italy. Yep, so I've gone Italian, which I seem to have done quite a few times in these lists. <laughs> it's because they're the best. Carry on. But I've gone for the Alfa Romeo Giulietta Spider, mm. which was the first of a long line of Alfa Spiders, which I think are some of the prettiest two-seat convertibles that have ever been made. It was also mm. styled by Pininfarina, one of the great Italian styling houses that have given us arguably some of the prettiest cars of all times. Fact. Mm. I would go oh, with that, of, yeah. Is it Pininfarina? Oh, no, it's Zagato that did the Aston. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, Zagato. Yeah, if it's 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 angular, you can always Zagato. tell Zagatos because there's always something slightly wrong on them. Yeah. Yeah, the Aston always the whole back end. Yeah, Zagato is always... It's like that whole thing where, with mosques, they've got something in Islam where only God can be perfect, so there's always some mistake in the tiling. It's like Zagato have cool. a similar like principle. It's like, they'll make a car that's almost perfect, and then they'll shove a great moustache on it or something. Zagato that's... always do something weird. That's like It's like all the starting houses, so Zagato have that. Batoni, if it looks like a block of cheese, it's a Batoni. And then yep. if, it's a, if, it's, if it's a Pininfarina, it's just gorgeous. So there you go. Carry on. Pretty much. I mean, even the 406 Coupe is a nice looking car. And that oh, exactly. was Pininfarina. Exactly. That's your favourite car, I heard, Sean, isn't it? I like the 406 Coupe. Yeah. It's, Dream not, car. it's, it's not as good as Sleeker, but you know. 
But yeah, so we didn't have a big engine on this one. We had a 1300, but out of um, second biggest engine, excluding Monty's choices, that's one of the biggest we've had. It was also interesting because we had a dual overhead camshaft. Ooh. Bear in mind, you get something like a Mini, it is about as basic as you can get. I've just seen the so, power figures out. It's, they're not impressive. <laughs> I mean, considering it's a 1.3, you had ranging between 52 horsepower for some of the basic saloon versions of the Giulietta. Because you got multiple versions of the Giulietta. you got saloons, coupes, and the Spider, the nice convertible version. Hmm. But you've got everything from 52 up to about... 89 horsepower produced by Alfa Romeo. Mm. The 90 horsepower was Zagato models, it seems. Fair enough. And special versions. Yeah, you've got a very pretty car. You've got a car that doesn't weigh an awful lot. So the Spider versions were 860 kilos. So you had a nice, light, sporty little two-seat convertible. I think that's something Alfa Romeo similar vein to Chris here, it's something they managed to carry through the decades and produce some beautiful cars right through. Leading to things like the Alfa Spider based on the Brera, the one based on the GTV and the Even, 60s ones. When was the GTA Sprint made? Ooh, I can't remember would have been 60s, wouldn't it? Early 60s? Yeah, it would have been. You can see in the face of this car that it's they're obviously related. Or duh, obviously, Sean. But <laughs> it's no, it's, it's, it's a gorgeous car, and I think it, it does very much resemble Alfa Romeo at the time in particular, but also sort of the Italian uh, upper classes. You know, when most Italians yeah. couldn't afford well, you know, a 500, those who still had some means, not necessarily loads of money, but they had some there's more disposable income, they could get something as nice as an Alfa Romeo Giulietta, for example. Yeah, it it was, I think, sort of the start of the Italian convertible as we know it today. Hmm. And something that even the Japanese would copy decades later. What, with like the Honda S600, is it? No, I was thinking more the MX-5. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Because no, the MX-5 was car. very much copying this kind of 50s, 60s on, European car. You, you can't... I'm not defending Master because Master will most likely have copied something, but you can't categorise convertible sports cars to just one car. I mean, you can. categorise the Z cars to one... I think this was <laughs> one of the first of what we now recognise as the modern style of convertible sports car, and to be honest, it is in its own right a beautiful car. Yeah, I, oh, I, I, say I as well. I, I do saying... not disagree with you whatsoever. I just think you can't. I would agree. It's probably one of the first recognisable sports convertibles. But I don't I think, think you could say that. It falls into that category, doesn't it? With the way it's it's not a Mercedes three hundred SL. It's but it's it's obviously more expensive, faster, better than like the Mini and things like that. So it's kind of in that MX-5 kind of bracket now. If it was a mm. modern car, it's a sort of not that expensive, but a bit more expensive sports car rather than a hatchback or a saloon car. And I think yeah, they and are. If you didn't have the money for the 300, it would have been the perfect car for cruising through the Italian Riviera. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And that's that's kind of where you would imagine you see cars like that, isn't it? You, it's not going to have the same sort of impact if it was in Stoke-on-Trent, for example. Um, <laughs> but or Or Hull. Um, <laughs> or Hartford. It, it is a, well, or Hartford, really. But there is a couple in Hartford that I've seen, and they are absolutely gorgeous. Are they outside um, very, very expensive hotels? No, no, they're just at a local car, like a classic car meetup thing. Oh, right. So they're not, they're not quite going, a good they're, one. They're actually. not going to Hartford out. They're going to Hartford out of choice. Ugh, that's supposed to be awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, they're they're really, really pretty cars. It's it's almost form over function to a certain extent. But as we said, they do function reasonably well when they're running. Well, <laughs> it's an Alfa Romeo. <laughs> that's what I mean when they're running. Is, is this a question of when or if, if. without Romeo? Well, yeah. Usually when. <laughs> Sometimes if. All right, and then for how long? Exactly. Mm. Long enough for you to get start. from the cafe where you're currently having lunch to the cafe where you're planning to have dinner. <laughs> yes. Also, I can cool down. Uh, or the cafe where the car is planning you're going to have dinner. Well, yeah, I mean, sightseeing in the, in the 50s must have been great. Maybe that's how we get used to driving electric cars. We all buy Alfa Romeos yeah. so that we have really short trips. Yeah, exactly. And so that every, you, know, you have to stop every so often just to let the car breathe and cool down. Did and I then... ever have to stop to let it cool down when I had you guys in my Alfa? No, we had to yes. stop to let us cool down because of the heater was turned on. <laughs> I, I remember us having to stop. We went off to Cranfield University one night for... Um a chat, and on the way back we had to stop because something happened to your car. I can't remember what. It could have been that, I had actually. to clean the windscreen. That was it. Your windscreen wipers <laughs> weren't working, so we had to stop, pour some water on it, so you could see where you were driving. <laughs> <laughs> at, le at least, uh... out, well, okay, out of all these cars, at least Alpha are consistent. They stuck, yep, to, they, they stuck, to, they stuck to their morals. <laughs> that is very true. They're like McDonald's. Not brilliant, but you know what you're going to get. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, beautiful. And on that note, I don't think I've got any more to say. I think I do. <laughs> right, who's going? Right, so who wins? That's it. That's it. Hey, I reckon hey, it's, hey. it's got to be the mini. No, surely. absolutely yeah. not. The five hundred. No, I, I, I'd say the mini. No, seriously, I, I would say the mini. It, it is a coat yeah. plastic, and it, it lasted for forty years. That was how I'd, it was. I'd still buy one. Yeah, I'd, 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 happily. I'd never buy a Fiat 500, but I'd happily buy a Mini Cooper. Yeah. I'd love an original. I've got a mod one, obviously, but I'd love an original. It'd be fantastic. So it's the car four out of five of us would actually be happy to own. Yeah, but it's yeah. my yeah. podcast, so 500 wins. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, dictatorship. I forgot that's yeah. how uh, yeah. this works. Yeah, well, we've had Italian and German cars through most of these, so obviously a bit of dictatorship never goes that badly. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of Still Automotives, which I own. Uh, cars of the Decade. Uh, thank you very much to Chris, Al, Monty, yeah. and Sam for joining me. It's all right. My pleasure. The pleasure is all yours, it as always. always. Is, mate, always is. I'll, I'll enjoy going through all of your 17 choices, Monty, to put into the stats. Um, oh, you, you wait until we get to race cars of the 60s. Oh, God. Right, we're we, we going to vote. Can Monty only have one choice from now on? Yes, please. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Well, at most two. Okay. But only, like, sometimes. Um, 
Right, that's going to do it. Follow us on social media, at Auto, wherever you want. I don't care. Um, and until then, we shall see you next time. Take care and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.